So this question that we just meditated with, where are you not suffering right now? We're going to come back to that near the, the end of um, what I have to share this evening. I want to start, um, though, with, with something similar, which is um, to share with you these four noble truths. And then as I do, those of you who are unfamiliar with them, you'll see the connection here. So the Four Noble Truths, this is real foundational Buddhism. This is um, essential Buddhism. It's um, one of, of many teachings, but it's, it's a main teaching that links all these different styles and um, lineages of Buddhism together. So, you know, we have uh, the Mahayana side of, of Buddhism, uh, the Theravadan side, we've got Buddhism being practiced in many different places in the world. And um, depending on where it's being practiced, the different cultures and um, a mix of different belief systems um, are all come together. And sometimes Buddhism in different places, it's really unrecognizable, including the way that um, in this insight tradition and the way that we practice, sometimes, you know, compared to other practices, it's, it's very different. Uh, but this, this teaching of the Four Noble Truths is so foundational to all of these lineages. And it's an imp a really important um, list um, to, to know and to understand. Really, it's the reason we come to practice. It's why we're doing what we're doing, is the Four Noble Truths. And so these four truths, um, they are, they, they are as ancient as, as, uh, as people are. You know, these are truths that are about humanity. Um, going way past the time of the Buddha, uh, way before. It's just, it's been, um, he was the one that, that put it together in this lineage that we're, we're now still practicing thousands of years later. That this is so core to just humanity, the way that our humanness operates. And so the first truth is that there is suffering. There is suffering. And suffering um, in Pali, we, we say suffering in Buddhism, it's off in English, it's often translated as suffering, but the Pali word is dukkha, dukkha. And dukkha, actually the, uh, the ka in dukkha means wheel. And do kind of it kind of means bad is, is one way to translate it. Bad. So it's a bad wheel. And so one way of thinking of this is imagining um, if you're riding a bike and the back wheel is slightly bent and it's kind of you're kind of um, being jostled around by that back wheel and it's really uncomfortable 
And there's all this friction that's being created because of it, because it's not in alignment with the rest, the rest of your vehicle. If you, if you drive a car, that could be the same. It could be any wheeled vehicle. If you've got a wheel that's off, there's this not only discomfort, but there's this friction against the direction that you're trying to go. Dukkha is very much like this. It's the kind of suffering that um, comes from us not being in alignment with truth. Uh, this is the second noble truth, actually, that we suffer because uh, we cling to the non-truth, to, to the illusion of uh, what's happening in a moment. Um, we cling in a way to who we think we are in a particular moment uh, that's not in alignment with truth or how we think things should be happening around us, uh, what we think others should be doing. There's all this friction that we create in our minds. It's felt in our bodies. This is dukkha. It's caused from this clinging. And so the third noble truth is that uh, this clinging can be let go of. And when it's let go of, we can be released from that suffering, from that dukkha. So the, the letting go of that clinging leads to freedom. It leads to alignment being in the flow of truth, the flow of how things really are. And then the fourth noble truth is the map, the way, the pathway of, um, of practice, of cultivation that leads to this letting go. It's the how to let go map. And that is the eightfold path, which I'm not gonna dive into today. There's so much content. Um, we'll do that on another night, but just so you kind of get the, the outline of this. So there is suffering, noble truth number one, there is suffering. Um, we suffer because we cling. We can let go of that clinging and be free of our suffering. And four is the pathway, the map to that non-clinging. So this is the Four Noble Truths, and it's why we practice. So many of us come because we, we know there's suffering. We've experienced it. Maybe we don't call it suffering. Maybe that suffering is more um, of an unsatisfactoriness. There's something that we're always coming up against. It's not quite right. Um, our happiness is so fleeting. And we know maybe there's something more here. There could be something more. Uh, or maybe we experience it as stress. It's just this, this underlying stress, this dis-ease with life. But we come because on some level, maybe it does come from a, a lot of pain. We come to this practice. It's what brings us here. It's what keeps us here because we understand 
And this is why the Buddha taught it in this way. So I asked that question, where are you not feeling, uh, where are you not uh, experiencing suffering right now? And the Buddha talked about it more in the negative. A lot of his teachings are framed in the negative. In Western psychology, we struggle with this. <laughs> you know, so we, we'd like it the other way around. Um, and so sometimes when, when coming to this practice and we start to hear the, the, these more foundational teachings that can come up, um, you know, it sounds like it's saying life is suffering and it, it, it's, uh, that's not really what we want to hear. It's also not true. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying life equals suffering. It's saying that because we're alive, there is suffering but it's not the only thing that we experience. In, in total, what the Four Noble Truths is pointing to is that yes, there's suffering and there's freedom from suffering. There's this ultimate freedom that it's pointing to, but there's also freedoms in our moments. There's moments of freedom that we can experience right now. The Buddha was called the happy one. This is really a practice that's pointing towards deep, true lasting happiness. And so, um, but he didn't, he didn't say that. <laughs> well, he did, he did say that, but he didn't put it in the Four Noble Truths. He pointed to the suffering. And for some of us, we're just relieved. Thank God someone's talking about it. We want, we want to be able to touch that. We've experienced it. We want to dive into it, or we want to at least acknowledge that presence and then you know, our next question is, so tell me what to do to get rid of it, because I'm sick of it. So for some of us, it, it's feeding, um, feeding a need to hear it put in this way. But either way, um, when we fully understand these four truths, when we, when we understand what it's pointing to, we understand that it's pointing to freedom to a life that um, has let go of these ways that we cling. So the Buddha, um, on one occasion, picked up, was with uh, a number of his monks, and he picked up a handful of leaves uh, and said, what do you think, taken up in my hand, Oh, what do you think, bhikkhus, which uh, is what uh, is another name for practicing monks, monastics, which is more numerous, these few leaves that I have taken up in my hand or those in this grove of trees? And so they said, well, of course, all of those in the grove of trees, you know, that's more numerous, he says. So too, bhikkhus, the things I have directly known but have not taught you are more numerous, while the things I have taught you are few. And he goes on to explain that um, all these teachings, all of them are centered around waking us up to that suffering and freedom from that suffering. So he's implying here that he, he knows a lot more. And as you read the stories of the story of the Buddha, you get that impression that he understood more than just this, that there, he was tapped into 
a lot of different truths, not just these four. But what was shared out of compassion for our, um, uh, not just awakening our, our freedom from, um, from our limitations, our freedom from the ways that uh, we repetitively find ourselves um, enacting these uh, stressful mind states. He just taught this, this bundle of, of teachings, this small amount of what he knew. And whether, you know, how much of that is accurate and true, um, I just find that comforting, that nothing is wasted here. Nothing is wasted information. All of it is specifically for the purpose of understanding why we suffer and letting go of that suffering. It's like a concentrated dose. We're getting this concentrated dose of Dharma. So we start this path with the first noble truth on some level understanding that there is some suffering. Otherwise, we wouldn't spend the time to practice. So we come with that understanding and it might seem, um, that just might seem obvious. Like, well, don't we all, don't, maybe not so special. Um, don't we all know that we're suffering? But the truth is that a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know that they're suffering. Suffering has become so normalized. Uh, it's, it's something that maybe they're not even questioning. Don't even question it. Maybe we can relate to that. Maybe that was a point in our lives. We just didn't even question it. It seems just how things are. And if they're driven by happiness, um, you know, putting their happiness in something that's fleeting, something that's not stable. So we might be looking for happiness, but as they say, in all the wrong places. Some people identify so strongly with their suffering that maybe they know that they're suffering, but there isn't a willingness to let it go because it's so a part of who they are. Again, this might be something you can relate to. Can't even imagine life without it. And then others, maybe, maybe there's a feeling of there's no other way. Maybe there's no real choice in the matter. It's just, this is what's happening. This is who I am and what's there to be done. Maybe, maybe there's a feeling of undeserving. Whatever the case may be, there's, there is something important not necessarily special, but it's important that you're on this path, that you, you know that there's suffering, because it's from that starting point that we can go to the freedom of suffering, but you have to start there. It doesn't go the other way around. And I don't point those things out as an othering, like, oh, you know, Buddhists have this really figured out. 
<laughs> so here we are on this path, and then there's those others who don't, who aren't on the path, and it's not like that at all. In fact, I think um, most of us, even on the path, some of us on the path for a really long time, still find ourselves stuck in these ways. You know, we lose track of what we're doing. We get stuck in some tangle, and there we are. It's just. It's the human condition. It's just the human condition. So it's just some get to work with it in this lifetime and, and others it's a different lifetime. But it doesn't make us it doesn't make it special. It's just part of our humanness, part of the human condition. But what's also part of the human condition is that we can wake up. That we have this ability to be self-aware, to cultivate in this practice. That's really important. This all seems so obvious, but it's actually so incredible. Here we all are, this whole group. We were born in a time where we had access, for one, to these teachings, that we have some ability to practice them, that we're even born as human beings to have that level of access. is incredible when you think of all the species that are alive on this planet right now at the same time. It's, it's really, this is really important to, to keep in mind just how precious this is. There's something so precious about these four truths and that we have access to them, not to be taken for granted. So the second is uh, noble truth, looking at the ways that we cling. This really will go kind of into the, the second and third truth here, how we cling and how we can let go of that clinging. And it's complex. The way we cling as human beings is so complex. Our minds are so complex. It's all, you know, organized very nice in this four-step process of the four noble truths. But that means, that doesn't mean that it isn't complex. It takes time. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort, a lot of curiosity. It takes us a lot of willingness to be with the suffering, to untangle our experiences and to see it all play out, see what's at play right now, to see it all clearly. So one of the ways that we do cling is with our perception of anything, whatever is um, coming into our, our stream of consciousness uh, and then the way that we're perceiving it, whether it falls into these categories of it being a pleasant experience or an unpleasant experience or somewhere in the middle, this neutral zone, this is called Vedana. So Vedana, sometimes this is a Pali word, sometimes it's translated as um, feeling tone, and it is, it's a tone of the experience. It's not, um, it's 
not really a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's, it's perception, how we're perceiving it. So for example, um, you know, for some of you, if you saw a big juicy hamburger, that would be pleasant. If you knew you were gonna eat this big juicy hamburger, that would be really pleasant. And then for others here, the hamburger stays the same, but for others, you can't think of anything more disgusting than a big juicy hamburger. So for some, it's wildly, oh yay, pleasant. And for others, it's, ugh, I, you know, gross. <laughs> Give me, you know, vegetables or whatever, something else. So the object doesn't change, but how we're perceiving it, it has, it's very, it, it, it's very individual. This is Vedana. Now, how we cling is very much related to how we respond or relate to that Vedana. So for an example, if something very pleasant comes in, we ask that question, where am I not suffering right now? And in that guided meditation, one of the options might have been to go towards something that was really pleasant. You're experiencing some kind of ease or relaxation, an openness of mind. Your mindfulness is strong. The concentration is strong. Maybe gratitude or some of the, the heart um, Brahma Viharas are, are coming forward. This is pleasant. But really, it's just Vedana. It's just pleasant. It's just perception at this point. What we do with it next is what is really is what really matters. So do we experience it and then go, aha, <laughs> this is great. I just need to keep this going for the rest of the meditation so I can get through to the bell. <laughs> so I don't have to suffer. You know, can I just, you know, hold on to this? Have anyone experienced that where you're just practicing so hard to manage that pleasant experience and in that there's this tightness that comes in the mind comes in it wants to control it thinks it can control it's very sweet that way this is why it's so we're so complex we think we have that ability we don't and so there's all this energy and effort and there's this this tightness that comes in this is dukkha that's the friction there's nothing wrong with pleasant pleasant could just be experienced it could be felt fully we can allow it to um, fill uh, our whole body and just be there with it and know it intimately. But that isn't always the case. We have these habits that come in and, you know, let's hang on to this. Or it goes into that whole, what can I do to make this better? This is really nice. <laughs> I remember on one retreat, sitting down, finally taking a break from sitting and walking, sitting and walking, and I sat down with a cup of tea, and it was so nice. I was, I was sore and kind of bored, I think, and tired, and I sat down with a, a cup of tea, and it was just so pleasant. And I remember my mind just instantly jumped up and said, oh, let's get a blanket. Oh, let's put our feet up. 
oh, let's go outside and sit in the sun. And I did. I just kept going, kept going until I realized, you know, seven steps later that I'm just, you know, I'm just wanting, 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 wanting more and missing this moment completely of it being just really nice and pleasant and nourishing, restorative even. But it's all, it was just gone. It was just completely gone. I missed it. And that's what we do. That's what we do with pleasant. This is that human condition. This is dukkha. This is dukkha. Unsatisfactoriness. And then with, with unpleasant. Unpleasant can be very unpleasant. It can be painful. These bodies, um, we don't get to escape. You know, it's, this is not about, enlightenment isn't about transcending these bodies, we don't go anywhere. We still have these bodies that they age, they get sick, they die. We lose everyone we know, everything we care about. And so on, on some level, that there's, there's suffering there, right? And we don't, you know, there's nothing we can really do about that. That's nature. It's being part of the natural world. But the suffering that we put on top of that is our, is our delusion to that being the reality. We think it should be otherwise. We work so hard to make it otherwise. And so even in great loss and grief, we can grieve. You don't have to add to the grief with the kind of mental suffering that says it shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't, you know, whatever the story is. So suffering, um, it has different, there's different types of dukkha um, that we'll get to in a, in a later talk, but um, I hope that's clear that, yes, there's the human condition type of suffering that we can't escape. I mean, the Buddha, after his enlightenment, had headaches, backaches, and died of food poisoning. You don't get to transcend all of that. This is, this is rough. It's, this, is, this is humanness, and it's our nature. But... Um, happiness isn't really connected to all that. Happiness has more to do with how we're relating to all of it. When we are pushing away, saying, no, I don't want any of this, when we are avoiding uh, seeing what's here, when we go into sometimes that fix-it mode of, I'm just going to patch this all up constantly so I can feel better. You know, just stick a Band-Aid on it. Just keep putting a Band-Aid on there so I don't have to feel this. That's, that's real suffering. That's the suffering that gets in the way of our real happiness, not being in alignment with Dharma, with the truth of how things really are. And then there's neutral, which I'll just say neutral. Sometimes we say neutral, other times we say uh, not quite pleasant, not quite unpleasant. It's that middle zone. Um, 
which is most of our experiences, is actually not in the dramatic zones of either side, pleasant, unpleasant, but most of what we're experiencing, like for most of us, maybe it's a breath or the sounds around us. Um, a lot of our thoughts actually, it's all pretty neutral. But because it's neutral, we miss it. We just, it's not that interesting. Um, part of the human condition also is we like a little drama. We like a little more pleasant or even the unpleasant to neutral. Well, neutral is, that's our time to space out or to fill, fill that void of, of something, quote, more interesting. So we miss it. So we end up missing most of our lives because we're not present. That's dukkha. That's dukkha. Even if you ever noticed you're having a lot of thinking, 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 and it's really interesting thoughts, right? And then you shift into presence and you realize your body was all tight and contracted, even, even if the thoughts were fun. And, and really, you were really fascinated by them. You know, your shoulders might be up a little bit and there's, you know, maybe you're breathing way up here in their chest and you come into presence and oh, ooh, oh. <laughs> when we're not being present, there's something about not being here fully and in contact with the life that's really happening in the moment. There's, there's something about that disconnect that is suffering. Ah. So, um, just reading through to see if there's more I want to add. Oh. I, I'm, I, um, as I said, we, we um, have been exploring that question, that meditation of where am I not suffering right now in the morning meditations. And on Monday, um, a number of you were there, um, but Jude shared something with the group about her experience through that meditation um, that just kind of floored me because it was so, um, so relatable. And I felt like man, this, this, is, this is what we do all the time. And so I, I thought instead of me sharing Jude's story, because Jude, you're here, I asked Jude if she would share her story with us. And then um, I might say a little bit afterwards, and then we'll, we'll open it up to the group. So are you feeling comfortable with that? Sure, Bill? sure, yeah. Great. I just want to say it's really, really nice to see everybody in this substantive group. What, what happened on Monday was um, I was really restless in the meditation and I got up to go pee and didn't give myself too many arrows of not just sitting and being a good little bodhisattva. I look out my window and it, Monday's garbage day where I am and I had had my garbage can all nice and covered and I saw that somebody had put another garbage thing on top of it and I watched how I was so enraged and it was unpleasant to feel so enraged but 
I realized with the embodiment of the enragement that also what was going on was feeling somewhat alone of the feelings, but then also the fear of, I wasn't going to be taken care of. They weren't going to take my garbage away because somebody else had intruded and put it on top of my garbage. And when I was thinking about that a little earlier, I was saying, it's almost funny, the metaphor of they're not going to garbage away. There's just something very funny about that. But I watched that, you know, in an embodied sense, there, other than the lack of control, there is a deep-seated feeling of I'm not going to be taken care of. And that was some of, you know, and like that. And I realized that that's still in my body. And I don't want to do so many stories about the garbage. And that's where some of the suffering comes in, that when I'm not attending to or, oh, Lou's just so sweet. When I'm not attending to the deep-seated fear and anger in an embodied sense of not being taken care of when there's that suffering comes in because it makes me feel very separate from everything else that I, I don't trust that the garbage is going to be taken away. So there, there is there, the, the suffering comes from that, um, that other just, uh, there's a wall because I'm not present with the trust, I guess is, is, uh, is what's going on. And, and I also want to say that it, there is the feelings are still in me that anger and that, that fear. And yet there's something very um, healing to me. I did, I, I mentioned it to the group, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, there's this garbage out there. And there's something very healing to me about not just keeping it closed in my mind. That's where Sangha comes in to say, hey, I had this experience. It's my responsibility to have the feelings, but I need to let you guys know that this happened and it's sort of continuing in my body. And to know years ago without going on and on, years ago I heard in a meditation group, you know, you're special. And I'm like, you're special. And it's like, bump, bump, bump. And so is everybody else. And I watched that place of, no, I don't want everybody else to be special too, which is ironic because I'm sure everybody goes through so. And so to look at the truth and for me, the deepest suffering is to feel that separateness. So that's, that's me and my garbage. Yeah. Thank you, Jude. Yeah, I think what is so striking to me about that isn't is because it's just so it's it's what we do all the time. You know, even someone puts something in my garbage can, that's my garbage can, you know, just the way we contract around something and personalize it and um and can carry that into suffering, you know, for the rest of our day, it can carry through, you know, uh, we can not that this is what you're doing right now, because I asked you to share that story, Jude, but we can, we can find ourselves, you know, a week later, 
talking to our neighbors saying, hey, you know, someone put something in my garbage can and, and the door, the thing didn't close. I just hate that. Is that happening? You know, we can carry it for a long time. Something like our garbage being messed with a bit. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, I don't know, I guess it, it, to me, that's just so striking as, you know, we have lots of those moments through the day where, um, we contract around around something instead of it just like oh that's unpleasant hmm or that's kind of that's disappointing or you know we really can hang on to those moments and it goes even deeper into like what you were saying around the fear of not being taken care of and that how that like the tangle of that goes far beyond a garbage can but if we're not there with it we can really be wrapped in that, that tangle for a long time. And there's just all but that suffering. I wanted to say, though, because I really appreciate what you're saying, but for me to parse out and to use RAIN when it's just a mental construct and when there's the old body conditioning and what's going on. Yeah. And I think that distinction is really important because I, I've seen my wheels go when it's not, an embodied thing, but just because it was on my garbage or, you know, you had a piece of my chocolate or whatever. But there's, there, I, I think there's a distinction. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when we find ourselves congealing around something like this, there is something else tangled up in it. There's some, you know, hyper identification or fear or, you know, something that is tangled up in there and um and we just keep and we can keep playing that out if, if we're not aware that this is suffering you know the, the garbage can is the garbage can but this the way we're relating to it this is suffering where where can we release you know, where can we uh let go even if it's just a little bit hey what i um really heard so clearly from dudes. He's talking. Oh, Elise. Uh -huh. yeah. Was um, the fear of not being taken care of and how that seemed to be the root. Like the, the fear was turning to anger because like she was trying to take care of herself by putting out her garbage. You know, I mean, it was like we do all of these things to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, we, we buy insurance, like we do all of these different things yeah. and then it's so easy for someone to just come and like put their garbage on top of our garbage and then all this effort that we've made to care of ourselves because um our community structures are pretty weak i think right now as a society as an american society potentially mm -hmm. so anyway i think i don't know that's what really really resonated with me like if that was such a i just you know i applaud jude for like just having that clarity of being like, yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. it about? Yeah, I just want to be taken care of. And it, and it being beyond just the garbage being taken out. But we, if we miss that, it really gets, it is that tangle. We're not with it with clarity. You know, it's not, oh, this is what this is. This is what's at play right now. It becomes, it, more likely, you know, in this scenario, it could very easily turn into 
um, you know, a whole mental war uh, around the garbage and who who's putting their garbage in my garbage, which, you know, you might want to figure that out for practical reasons, but the anger and the, you know, all that, the, the stress and tightness around it, um, that's where maybe we can let go. I think for me, it's really interesting. Um, we're such an old society. Like if you're looking at, we're old now, like we're, we're skewed toward like 40 and above. And um, I think this idea of like, when, um, I, I want to take care of other people, but he wants to take care of me. It's starting to impress Americans, or at least a large portion of the population. Oh, I'm having trouble hearing you. Is that everyone else too? Or is it just my audio is having trouble? Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you're underwater or something. I'm catching like little bits, but I'm not catching the whole thing. I'm really sorry. Let's go. Oh, that might be better if you're closer. Like I said, I just let, I'll let somebody else go. I don't know why my audio is bad right now. You're you're much clearer now, but it's up to you if you if you want to try saying it again or, or not. I was just I think that that this fear is pretty pervasive right now among um a large portion of um the country and maybe the world. We've I did a story like 20 years ago as a young journalist about like the aging of the globe. Mm. And, well, we're skewing older. And I, I recently pulled like the data for Alameda County and it's like 50 is the average age. So um, we're older and like we, you worry about when you're older, is anyone going to take care of me? Like you're willing, you've taken care of people. You're, you're willing to take care of people, but then you do have this, there's this feeling of who will take care of me. And I think a lot of people, particularly during the pandemic when folks were like increasingly cut off, like it's, um, and people were dying alone in a hospital. I just, I think that it's, um, I think it's a deep fear. And I think it's also one of the things that's um, like motivating a lot of the political division. Mm-hmm. If we look, if we, if we were to look deep into it, like it's not about the garbage or it's not about whatever mm-hmm. thing that we're fighting about. It's about who's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Is that one, is that a fear that you're holding? you think for yourself like if you speak from an i statement how does that yeah no, probably definitely probably it's been real it's been it's been pretty isolating yeah this last year yeah it's been very isolating yeah and isolation there you know that kind of separation there's there's suffering in that when we feel isolated and um, of course fear comes in who's going to take care of me how am I going to get through this if I'm isolated? You know, we are um, communal beings, even even those who would rather not be. <laughs> we're still, um, you know, in health, we're community, we're communal beings. And um, so it's when we can see it, though, with clarity, that's what we're looking at. It's not that any of this is right or wrong you know how we're feeling is how we're feeling um and and the reasons why can be very legitimate it's not about um it's not about turning everything into neutral (laughs) or you know somehow passive um it's about having clarity this is what this is what's going on right now i feel really separated i can really feel the fear that separation. I can see it everywhere. You know, I'm tuned in 
to that. And now I'm seeing it in other people and other situations and I can really feel that. And so, you know, in this practice, it's turning towards that, that discomfort and really, okay, now what do I wanna do? Maybe right now the thing is just to feel it and to just be with it. Other times we realize I need to get up and do something about it. But that it's coming from this place of clarity. That it's um, not this this kind of knee-jerk reaction that we can easily find ourselves in when we're not aware that, you know, okay, my aversion's up, my fear is up. Um, we can e easily project it onto other people. You know, this is where we get it gets really messy into different bias and um, you know, hatred and all kinds of stuff. And so we've got to really be present with this is actually what's going on here. And, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not comfortable when we're dealing with unpleasant. It's not comfortable, but we don't have to add uh, to that suffering, that discomfort, with more mental suffering, if we if we know how, and that's that's where this the the whole practice, the whole of the practice, is focused on that. So I do know that it's time. It's eight seventeen, but I appreciate your share and thank you, Jude, so much for sharing your story. Um, and. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll be looking at these um, more. I'd like to bring some of these essential Dharma pieces uh, in this month so we can get more familiar with them. There'll be more on this later. Okay. So thanks everyone for coming this evening. And I'll dedicate the merit Taking a moment to acknowledge that you know, we come often to the practice to help ourselves and to heal these places of discomfort and suffering. Really, this practice isn't just for ourselves. It ripples out and has an effect on our loved ones, co-workers, our community, people we interact with. It ripples out in ways we can't even see or understand. Being a benefit in this world for all beings everywhere. May all beings happiness and contentment May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in mind and body. May all beings be free. May we all be free.
everyone. Thank you, Kate. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. So good to be with everyone. Oh, Wendy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Even garbage. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.